Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Central London service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Amazing. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It is gorgeous to be here today. Uh, Happy New Year, if we haven't already seen each other. I don't know if you're like me and you're still actually getting to grips with what your life looks like in January. (laughs) What do I do again after the Christmas blur? But anyway, here we are, 2019, and we're good to go. We are in a series um, this month, actually over the next few weeks, that Liam began brilliantly last week, which you can catch up with online, and it's called Awaken. And it's this sense that we are at a time in history that God is awakening the church in a new way. Um, And we're going to be looking at some of what this can mean and today we're going to be reading a few verses. I think as we read them you will sense what we are drawing our attention to today. So 1 Thessalonians 5 16, pray continually. Colossians 4, devote yourselves to Romans 12, be faithful in Matthew 26, watch and Ephesians 6, in the spirit on all occasions. Good job, team. Well done. Pray, pray, pray. That is where we are drawing our attention this morning. Let me ask you a few questions as we begin. And these aren't test questions. You can engage with these as you wish. You can engage with them whether this is your first time here, you've been around for years. You don't need to tell your answers to anyone. Allow them to take you wherever you want to go. But let me ask you these. What do you believe about prayer? Today, not what have you believed in the past, what do you believe about prayer? Are you happy with your prayer life? If yes, maybe take a moment and just think about what you are grateful for and thank God for it. If you're not, if you sense a desire for more, have you made it an intention to grow in this area? If yes, maybe just pray that prayer again. God, would you help me grow in this? Or maybe you want to pray that for the first time now. If no, if you are not happy, but you haven't made it an intention to grow, why not? What is going on? Take those questions wherever we will. They were not a performance evaluation of our prayer life. They are not a test. If that is what we turn those kind of questions into, then prayer becomes about us. It becomes about how well we are doing. It becomes about how good we are at prayer. And that is not what is at the heart of prayer. At the heart of prayer is the very heart of God. And he is love. And he loves. You are loved. We are loved And love is the force that we engage with when we pray. It's not a force that condemns us, belittles us, makes us feel guilty so that we need to feel like we need to pray or do whatever else it may be to prove our worth. That is not what this is about. Love, the heart of prayer, actually gives us the space and the safety and the freedom to ask these kind of of questions to shape us, to change us, to expand us, to heal us, to convict us, to discipline us, to reflect upon our own lives. 
love awakens our hearts to who we are and to the time and place that we have been entrusted with in history. Pray continually, devote yourselves to prayer, be faithful in prayer, watch and pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. These verses do not speak to me of prayer as something that is for some people to get really good at. These verses speak of actually the very heart of them, our friendship with, between us and God, between each other and God. And my sense is that as we go through this Awaken series, God is awakening us as a collective to prayer. God is awakening us to prayer. To awaken is to arouse, to arouse from sleep. And I am not saying that we have all been asleep in prayer. We haven't. But there is always more. There is always more. And God awakens us to invite us into the more. It's maturity. It's a collective awakening to the responsibility and the beauty and the power and the grace of prayer. What does this actually mean to be awakened to this? I don't actually know exactly what this looks like or what this means, but we don't need to have the whole picture before we begin the process. The vision of this church is to be actively engaged, to be giving our all for the renewal of all things in this city to see justice and peace and hope lived out not just as words, but as tangible expressions of love. And it is not to be disconnected from our internal lives. I don't think God would let us do that. Renewal begins here. It begins here and it is an overflow of what is happening in our own hearts. Prayer finds us. Prayer prepares us. Prayer awakens us. That is what we are going to be gathering around this morning. Prayer finds us. Jesus' wisdom on prayer was this. It's found in Matthew. Can't remember the chapter. I'm so sorry because I didn't write it down. It might come up. It's Matthew something. <laughs> so there we go. I know it's verses 6 to 8. I don't know which chapter. There you go. Uh, 6, 3, 7. I'll take whatever you've got. No, <laughs> this actually exists in the Bible. I'll read it. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward in full. They've made it into a show. They've made it into a performance, into an exhibition. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling on like the pagans, for they think that they'll be heard by all their big words, again by their fancy expressions. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus sets the scene for prayer, for the heart of prayer. Let it be about you and God. Let yourself be found by God. Let this be a friendship. Talk and listen. Be found by prayer. 
And Jesus' echo in the original friendship with the garden humanity had when God created Adam and Eve. And it tells us they lived in the Garden of Eden in Genesis. And at the cool of the day in the evening, they would take walks together. These were the original prayer walks between Adam and Eve and God. And I think Jesus is echoing some of this as he's saying, hey, create space in your life to be found. Just come as you are. There is no shame. Adam and Eve in the original um, state that they, they felt no shame. They simply came as they were in their friendship. Jesus is saying, let this just be about you and God. Allow him to walk through your heart, to remove shame or whatever else it may have been that has attached itself, and to bring you to life in love. Well, in June, um, um, a couple of friends and I and my sister, we went to house sit and dog sit um, in the highlands of Scotland for a friend who owns a cottage up there. And it was one of the most beautiful places that I have ever been to. If you've been to the highlands, you'll probably know what I mean. It was wild and spacious and free. We never left the place that we were staying the whole week. We didn't go to a shop. We didn't go to a cafe. We didn't see hardly anyone else apart from the people that lived here. And you could stand on the edge of the land and you could literally see the outline of the country and the cliffs and the islands that were in the distance. And I felt when I was here such an overwhelming sense of the beauty and the spaciousness of it, of almost just being stripped back from what can crowd us in normal life. And sometimes I feel like that in London. I don't know about you, but there can be a sense of being crowded, not simply amongst people, but actually in our own selves. And it was here that I was like, wow, I feel just space to, I know it sounds, you know, we're very whatever, but I was like, I feel like I found myself. I've been freed. I'm, you know, I'm truly and purely me. There was such a sense of purity about it. And when I got back to London, I actually realized that something more significant had happened in the Highlands. And as I got back, I was dreaming of it. I was yearning for this sense. And I was sitting on the tube and I was playing Willie Nelson on the road again and just dreaming of this life that would take me around these places of spaciousness. But what I sensed God was saying was not to just dream of other places, but to find the spaciousness in London, to find the spaciousness in London, to find space, to make space in my own life, to actually hear him again, to connect with him again, to actually choose what is shaping me, to make decisions and become aware again of the context that I am living in and who I am and who he is. And long story short, there was some actual practical changes that I made in my life in July that actually led me to a season of rest and restoration that have been so precious as I just changed the rhythm of my life. And I have come to know more of who he is and more of who I am. And I think there is something, I don't tell that story just for it to be about me, but I think there's something about that is what the sense of God is inviting us into. And not all of us will go to the highlands, not all of us may make the practical changes of giving up a job or whatever it might be that I did, but I think there is an invite extended to all of us to find the spaciousness in our own lives, to connect with him, to make space and it may mean changing some rhythms of our life. It may mean just looking at where am I finding space to be found in prayer. And as we are found in this place, as we 
come to know, whether this has been whether we've known him for years or we're just discovering who he is, God doesn't draw boundaries and he doesn't ask us to either. But we actually come to know the freedom of what he made us for. And I know also that there may be some of us and you think, well, that sounds gorgeous, Joe. That sounds, you know, really lovely and romantic. But actually, there's prayers that I've prayed that I haven't seen the answers to. There's disappointment that I've known in prayer. I still carry pain from when I've prayed and I don't understand what has happened. This has happened to me. I'm sure it has happened to all of us at some point if we have engaged with prayer. And this is not some evil cosmic joke, but I honestly believe that the way to be found in with whatever it is that we are carrying in regards to prayer is to pray. It's to pray, to allow prayer to find us and find whatever is in our hearts. And as we do so, there may be some questions that we will just think, I may never know the answer to that this side of eternity. There may be a grace that we grow in to just live with some of the tension and the mystery of unanswered prayer in the way that we wanted it to be answered. There may be healing. I believe there will be healing. And there may be growth in wisdom and insight and understanding to actually see life from a different perspective. But if we remember that at the heart of prayer is the heart of God who is the heart of love, And actually, he invites us to make space in our own lives to meet him in this place. He is not scared of what will be found here, and we don't need to be either. Prayer finds us. Prayer finds us our truest, truest selves. And there is no one way to create this space if this is what we decide to do. The Bible is full of different styles of prayer. The church around the world prays in different ways. We just do what we think is needed for our own lives. And it may be that you think, but where do I begin? What can this look like? If you do just want some help getting started, we can pray the Psalms. There's a book of common prayer. There's some apps that we can use. Infinitum, the common rule, are brilliant ones that I have found really helpful. That actually just begin. Sometimes when we're in these places, we need the prayers of other people. We need the prayers that have been written centuries ago to actually begin to initiate our own words, and that's why these can be really helpful. We can use these. Prayer finds us. Prayer prepares us. Prayer prepares us. Before Jesus began the public life of ministry, he was actually told, um, we're we're told in Matthew chapter 4, that he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And it was a time when he faced the greatest enemy. We're told in the Bible that there is an enemy of life, an enemy of our souls. And he comes to steal and kill and destroy and take everything. And Jesus, when he was led to the wilderness and faced an intense time of prayer and fasting, he faced the enemy and he overcame him. And it was that time of prayer and fasting in the wilderness that actually prepared him for all that was to come. He was fully God and fully man, but there was this season that he was led into by the Spirit to write so much of what had previously happened. And there are times in our life when we may feel like prayer actually leads us to the wilderness, when there are actually seasons where we feel like, oh my goodness, am I just saying words out loud? (laughs) Like, where is this actually going? But if we persevere and we stay faithful and we keep on going, those seasons actually prepare us for what is to come. Prayer prepares us. 
It may not always feel like the wilderness, but there may be times when we just need to go away in secret. We just need to remove ourselves from the more public life, and we just need to honor and cultivate our own sense of personal devotion to be found in that place. When I was living in Liverpool a, a, like a while ago, which is where I'm from, um, and I'd always had this little dream of moving to London and I'd prayed about it and I'd sensed that it was from God and I tried to make it happen in my own way. I'd applied to college, I'd applied for jobs and none of them really came to happen. None of them actually had a, I had a sense of peace about they were quite right. But then one day, January the 2nd, I was invited to a party in London and I went. And before I went to the party, I was walking around St. James's Park, which has become my prayer room. I was walking around St. James's Park, but you can share it too. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, God, I'd love to live in London. What I need is someone who's moving out of their house for a few months, and I can move in, and I'd love to live in Kensington. Just threw it out there. You never know. <laughs> I didn't really know London that well at the time, but I'd been to Kensington. And then I went to this party, and I met someone there who was moving out of their flat to East London to help start St. Paul's Church Shadwell. And she said, oh, do you know what? I'm moving out of my flat for a few months and I'm looking for someone to move in. And I said, oh, where do you live? And she said, Kensington. And I said, I'm your woman. <laughs> and she was actually amazing. And I moved in about a month, six weeks later. And if I just told that part of the story, it might look like, wow, what a great conversation. You're at a party and you just move your house. But actually, there had been years of prayer beforehand that had actually led me to be ready for that moment. Years of prayer when I'd been, God, I sense this what are you doing here? What is going on? In moments of breakthrough in our own lives and in the lives of others, they will be preceded by secret lives of devotion. Don't waste the preparation. Allow the preparation to do in us what we need it to do. Prayer prepares us. If we want to see renewal in different areas of life in London, if we want to see it in the area where we work, in our home, in the place where we live, <clears throat> Pray and keep on praying. We're changed. When I was living a, abroad somewhere, we would have groups of people that would come out and work with us on different things that we were doing, building projects and medical clinics and things. And they would spend, every group that had come out had spent intense weeks of prayer praying for the place where we were living. And as they came and they joined with us, there was such a sense of being together. There was such a sense that when they arrived, they were on the same page. And I believe that's because they had prepared themselves in prayer. Because prayer changes us. It humbles us. It helps us to be better listeners. It gives us a sense of the bigger picture of what God is doing so we don't arrive somewhere simply with our own presumptions and judgments about what should happen or about what we can do, but we recognize the place that we are stepping into and the time that we are entrusted with. Prayer prepares us. Prayer awakens us. It awakens us to intercede, to pray on behalf of others because it awakens us to who God is and what he cares about. It awakens us to eternity, and it awakens us to the authority that we have. It awakens us to who God is and what he cares about. As we spend time with God, we get to know more of who he is and what is on his heart, his nature and his character. And we actually allow that 
to become part of us. This pray continually isn't simple. Just, oh, you need to pray at nine o'clock and 12 o'clock. But as we put these rhythms in our lives, it becomes more a part of who we are. It just becomes more natural. And as we are spending time with God, we begin to be stared by. We begin to become aware of the things that move his heart, the injustice. Those who are living with poverty, violence, whatever it may be, we begin to become aware of systemic changes as well as the changes in single people's lives that can happen. We begin to become aware of what God cares about. We're told it in the Bible. And as we pray, it also begins to become what we care about as we echo his nature and his character to those around us. There's a group of sisters in Wisconsin, the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration, and they have been praying non-stop since August the 1st, 1878, and they take it in turns, two at a time, to pray in their chapel, one hour and two hour shifts, and they say each person has a human need to adore. And this tradition of perpetual adoration reminds us hour, hour after hour of God's presence in our lives and our need to be present in others' lives. And as they have prayed for more than a hundred years, they have also become their prayers. And as they have become embedded in their, na- their neighborhood in Wisconsin, They have begun to, they serve at homeless shelters. They serve at shelters for those who are homeless. They are part of an immigration task force that is working for reform in this area. They provide resources and education for sustainably ecological projects. They've got an intern agricultural program, which is amazing. They are put together a task force of social service and healthcare and legal professionals to actually address and raise awareness of the atrocities of human trafficking in their own neighborhood. They are because the prayers that they are praying. They are living out their adoration, their perpetual adoration. And this is what one of the sisters says, Sister Melinda Gerg. Can you imagine what this world would be like if there was no one praying 24 hours a day? Can you imagine what this world would be like if there was no one praying 24 hours a day? Prayer awakens us to eternity. And this concept, this beauty of prayer is so vast and so big that actually there is so much we could say, but we have this short time together today. And there are times when we may look at believing that we will see the answers to the prayers that we are praying for and wrestling with what happens when we don't. And there are also times that I want to draw our attention to this morning when we actually release our sense of entitlement to see the prayers to the prayers that we're praying in our own time frame. As we begin to pray on behalf of others, we are actually awakened to eternity, to the part that we are playing. We are living because of other people's prayers. We are living in this nation as we are today. And we get to pray for what we want for those who are coming behind us. We actually take our place. We're awakened to the vastness and the bigness and the sense of eternity that prayer holds. And there's a a simple story of you... um, that illustrates this in some way. Sorry, my jaw's clicked. I'm not actually going to tell it. Um, <laughs> I'm like, 12, 12, friends, I'm moving on. But actually, <laughs> the, 
There was, a, uh, there was a man, I will just say this, there was a man who prayed a hundred, over a hundred years ago. His name was Seth Joshua. And he came on his knees before God because he had had an encounter with God. And he prayed and it said that he walked along this path for years praying that he would know revival in his own heart and also in his nation. And revival, as Liam said yesterday, can sometimes have, so, last week, sometimes have so many connotations, but actually it's this sense of awakening, coming to life again. And this is what he prayed, and the upshot of it was that over a hundred years later, because of a church that had been established in Liverpool, because of his prayers in Wales, two of my cousins walked in and gave their lives to Jesus and came to know Jesus and his love and his freedom and his hope in their own lives. Who would have known, would he have ever known as he walked the river in Wales, the impact that his prayer would have, the scope that it would have. Prayer awakens us to eternity. History belongs to the intercessors, says Pete Gregg. Prayer awakens us to the authority that we have. Karl Barth said, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. There is an authority that we grow in as we pray because it comes from friendship, because it comes from knowing who Jesus is, trusting in his nature and his character. It comes from allowing his spirit to become more and more alive in us. The most surprising people can have incredible spiritual authority, not because they're the loudest, but because they have been faithful in prayer. To flip Sister Melinda Gerker's question, imagine what the world would be like if no one was praying 24 hours a day. Imagine what the world could be like if more people were praying 24 hours a day. Imagine, I wonder if the band would like to come back up. The phrase that I have had going around in my heart as I have prepared for the today has been, do the same things, do something different. Do the same things, do something different. Do the same things. Be devoted in prayer. Be faithful in prayer. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Watch and pray. The church as we know it was birthed from prayer. When Jesus left this earth in his physical body, he said to his group of followers, wait, wait for me. They didn't just walk around, oh, well, when something happens, we'll know, I'm sure. They intentionally set aside time and they gathered together and they were devoted to prayer. They changed the rhythm of their life and they prayed and the spirit was given to them in the church as we know it was born. Do the same things, do something different. If we sense a discontent at the moment that isn't simply answered or fulfilled by new shoes or a lovely dinner or a good film, I think it's an invitation to pray. And if we will allow this discontent to take us where it actually wants to lead us, it may mean making changes, doing something different, finding space to be met in our own hearts in prayer. It may be actually recognizing who or what God has been staring us to pray for, gathering some friends, beginning to prayer work, beginning to pray for people, systemic change, whatever it may be. Do the same things. Do something different. If there's books that you want to read on this, three brilliant books all written by Pete Gregg that have changed my life. There are other brilliant books on prayer, but three books have been Dirty Glory, God on Mute, and Red Moon Rising. They have changed my life as they have awakened me to the adventure of prayer, the great adventure that they have been invited into. Prayer finds us. It prepares us. It awakens us. 
Let me finish by reading from Colossians 3. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with things right in front of you. Look up, be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Shall we press stand together and then we will worship.